Murders, mysteries, unexplained stories, and our family's crazy opinions on them all. Join us now. The Family School of Thought is in session. Okay. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to another week of the Family School of Thought. Um, hopefully, everybody is having a good week. Um, Cass, what's the weather like for you out there? Um, it was very rainy and cold today. It was like 30 degrees. Um, but yesterday was like super warm and sunny. So it was really kind of like sad today that we were like, oh, it's spring. And then it just downpoured today. Jess, how about you? How's the weather there? As always, 90 degrees. (laughs) (laughs) Yesterday we got some snow early in the day and then I had like uh, work shoes, you know, dress shoes on and when I came home, there was just enough snow on the driveway. So I thought I'll shovel this so people have to walk with it. And then it was like total ice underneath. Oh, no. Yeah. 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 Saturday was nice and, or was it Saturday? Um, Saturday was, well, what day we had like 60 degree weather and it was beautiful. Saturday. Yeah. Saturday it started out really nice and we went to Rochester Hills. And no, that was Sunday. Oh, Sunday. And then it got mm-hmm. really cold while we were there. Yeah, okay. Sunday it, it started out warm in the morning and it got colder. Yeah. Okay. Yes, it did. Yeah. I froze. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Jess, you want to start us off yeah. with a fact? So I have a couple. One Matt and I saw yesterday but we, and he threw it away so I don't have the paper but I remember it because Okay. It's like a steel trap up here, right? <laughs> um, so the North Pole does not have a time zone. Did you guys know that? No. So you yeah. mean like the time so we were time never changes, or like I don't really understand. So we were we were like super intrigued with it. And yeah. again, these it's, so these are from the Mental Floss Amazing Facts Calendar. They don't give a ton of additional information. So we looked it up, and so we were very intrigued. We're like, what does that mean? Like, how do they tell time or what, you know, where do they use? So based on, you know, like what country claimed that territory of the North pole, you use that, that time zone, or you use like a Marine time, um, time zone. So, so basically, so like if you're from the United States or, you know, like well, obviously, the United States has, what, like three, four different time zones. But you, you just go to whatever that claimed territory is, you use that time zone. So so if like, so somebody, somebody that is in the next territory could be on a completely different time zone. <laughs> but I mean, like, so like, say if I, so I went to the North Pole and mm-hmm. uh, my buddy from, like, England went to the North Pole and we both were there at the same time, we'd be on different times? No, so because they have different, like, up in the North Pole, they have different areas or territories that are claimed by, like, kind of like the moon was claimed by the United States kind of thing. It's just like people put up a flag of claimed territory. So So territories have time zones. They just don't have a set time zone. Yeah. I guess I missed that part. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, or you can take it in a magical way where, like... (laughs) Santa Claus lives on the North Pole, and there's no actual time up there. And that's why he can right? get all the Every kids' presents. Every day is Christmas Day. It's Christmas a magical Eve. day. 
yeah magical year so but i also have another one so that was the, the quick one that i thought was pretty fascinating but you got three women on this podcast and one man so here's this that other one that i found pretty yeah so not so great for women but <laughs> i think you know so if you were a woman in the 19th century Virtually anything that you did could get you committed to an asylum. Yeah. Um, this includes drinking too much tea. 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 Because it has too much caffeine tea. in it. And it could so it could make them hysterical. Records, yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So admission records from the 1840s from Scotland's Aberdeen Lunatic Asylum contain data on reasons for admission including one woman whose diagnosis indicated a sedentary life, abuse of tea. <laughs> so she was a, drinking too much tea. Too much of that tea. Wow, they didn't have Diet Coke then. Or... <laughs> and today, you know, again, it's on this one, today is International Women's Day. So happy International Women's Day, everybody. Yay! Yay! Yay for women! Yay That's, for legal rights. My, yeah, you know, well, we're getting there. <laughs> you have come a long way, baby. I mean, things have really changed for women. That's for sure. I was At up least from the 1800s or 1840s. Some of the, um, I was talking to some of the young people at where I work, and they're all, they're all about how we ruined the planet for them, you know, type of thing. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> the changes my generation made a woman would not be buying a car long enough working here. You know, you'd have to have well, permission. Hello. When did I buy my car? And guess whose name is on my car? Uh -huh. Not mine. It's but my you husband. Put it there. It could have been in your name. And also, that you're also your generation is also the ones who are trying to pull back on all those rights as well. <laughs> so it's a give and a take, I guess. <laughs> Because yeah. it's not my generation. It's made a lot of, especially when it comes to women's rights and racial rights. Made a, we've gone a long, long way than we were. You were born I in mean, the even, '60s when huh? segregation and racial injustices were happening. I, well, I'm not saying we started that. I'm saying we made a lot. They're of them. still happening. You would not have been able to get a, a, women would not have been able to get an abortion. I mean, it was my job. Hey, guess what? Women in Texas still can. Uh, yeah, and it's trying to get back. On the soapbox there. I know. I'm just going to make a, a statement that, you know, our my generation did do a lot. Um, especially water. You know, we've cleaned up the lakes and stuff. That we definitely. Oh. Which water source is that? Maybe from. Is the one from Flint? Flint? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Or the one okay. that Nestle steals from and sells to other people? Yeah. Okay, this is definitely your assignment, ladies, for next week. <laughs> because Flint River was contaminated. You couldn't even get into it in the 70s. You know, long enough, the, the Great Lakes, all, all the factories were just dumping their stuff in there. And so, you know, we did a lot of work. Okay. Cast. <laughs> For you. I need Good a song for you. of the week. I need a song of the week because we've been listening to the there Delilah all week long. All right. And you know what? It's Listen. a great song, and that Delilah should be 
thankful that somebody thought that much of her to write that song. Mm -hmm. That's what all stalkers say. (laughs) But anyway, let's move on. Um, Okay. So here we go. Do you know this song? If I could save time in a bottle The first thing that I'd like to do Save every day till eternity passes away just to spend them with you. Yes. Great, great, great song. Yes. Jim Croce. I did a plane crash. Oh, well, way to go. <laughs> well, is that your story? <laughs> so, this song itself is not creepy. But the facts behind it and the passing of Jim, Jim Croce afterwards are. <laughs> so, <laughs> this. I'm sorry, it just seems like yesterday. This doesn't seem like a story to me. I know. <laughs> I, what? All right. Well, anyway, this is Time in a Bottle by Jim Croce. Um, and he wrote this song in 1970 after his wife had just informed him that they, he, she was pregnant with their child. Um, and he wrote it um, to basically celebrate the fact that he's, you know, getting to spend time with these people that he loves and he gets to spend his, you know, life with them. Um, and again, this was in, written in 1970s. Uh, and he recorded it on the, re- the amazing album, You Don't Mess With Jim, which was recorded in 1972, released in 1973. Um, and unfortunately, uh, the single was released in november 1973 just two months after jim croce died in a plane crash and it became a number one hit uh posthumously um actually the third in history to become a number one hit right after can you think of the two songs that it came after i know i can think of (laughs) so the first one was um, sitting in the dock, sitting on the dock by the bay by Otis Redding, and the second one was "Me and Bobby McGee" by Janis Joplin. By Janis Joplin. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So obviously, side note for our listeners: <laughs> our dad is a very, very big Janis Joplin fan. Yes, and, and any road trip that you ever went on with our family, you knew the words to every song by the end of the road trip. <laughs> Yes, and our youngest daughter doesn't like Janis Joplin. Well, she was trying to tell. Well, I think we uh, none of us like Janis Joplin when we had to listen to it for hours. <laughs> I think we started out that. Yeah, uh, I told her. I said, "You will. You will." <laughs> yeah, we we've all grown to grown. love her a little bit. It was playing in the grocery store today when I was um, there, and I was singing along with at it. At work, so. at work, like she plays like all the time. Okay, I gotta tell this quick story before we get going. I, I always got a story for everything, but I had a customer that called, and his name was Bobby McGee. Oh. <laughs> so my boss, so well, he called in, and they forwarded it on to me, and they're like, you know, Bobby McGee wants to talk to you, and um, so I'm like, cool, you know, and so um, I talked to him, and I'm like, hey, you know about his name and he's like yeah yeah i've heard this my whole life you know kind of irritated about it well then my boss said hey did you ever contact this bobby mcgee and i'm like yeah i talked to him yesterday i said but he was busted flat in baton rouge he goes 
what? I'm like, you know, he's waiting for a train. He's like, he never heard the song. This is how pitiful this This is how my life is. That's not uncommon. Most families outside of our own don't know Janice Joplin all that well. But now on the radio, we have satellite radio there. Literally, they play five or six Janice songs a day. I'm always like, stop everybody. It's Janice. <laughs> oh boy! And so I'm like, every time it comes on, I'm like, so you never heard that song before, right? He goes, well, I kind of heard it, but you know. <laughs> but uh, what is it? Anyways, and so I told her today, I'm like, you, you will, you will like her. It's, it's part of, and part of the. You film. will love it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you can't deny that. Nobody came before Janice, right? There's nobody in front of her. She was lead the pack. Okay, let's get going. <laughs> um, so this week, oh, I we I want to address that we we got a comment about today's topic. And oh yeah, somebody. So Sarah from Michigan, your answer, your your question. Our prayers are answered. What am I trying to say? <laughs> we are Your listening request. to you. We are listening. Sarah, we heard you. <laughs> we heard you. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for Which, joining the, the way, family. Please like, subscribe, and follow. Feedback. Follow. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Sarah. Yeah. Sarah, got any questions? <laughs> nope. Not yet. <laughs> We are doing a topic on Sarah's question, and it is about the bath bombing, which was the deadliest school bombing in U.S. history, and it was the worst ever um, domestic terror in the United States. Even the Columbine, the Columbine School, and Sandy Hook. It happened in a small town of Bath, Michigan, on May twenty. Or May 18th, 1927, by a man called Andrew Kuhol. Kehoe. Kehoe. Sorry, I mispronounced that. Um, it happened at 8.45 in the morning when all the children would be at school. But the first bombing went off at his home just outside of town. All the rescue workers were on their way to Kehoe's home because of the bombing. And then the second explosion went off at the school and all of the rescue team turned around and went back to the school. And when they got there, there was literally shoes, body parts and everything on, on wires all over the school premises. Um, it ended up killing 39 children and six adults and injuring 58 kids. One of the children um, had escaped the bombing and um, later, I mean, after all the stuff that had gone on, 
um, was walking away from the school bombing and Kehoe returned back to the school and called the superintendent over and the postmaster and a retired farmer were out on the side of the road in front of the school and um, the scrap he had put um, um, dynamite in his, the back of his truck and he pulled out a gun and as soon as the superintendent come up to his car window he pulled out the gun and shot the dynamite and blew up him and the superintendent of the school and the scrap um shrapnel shrapnel went and flew back over to um and it hit the little eight-year-old boy and the postmaster and the farmer and their names were um g clio clayton and he was an eight-year-old second grader and the retired farmer was nelson mcfarland and he was 74 and then emory e hike was 33 and he was the superintendent the schoolmaster was 33 and his name was glenn o smith um and there was a um young girl that had stayed home from school that day and when the bombing went off they she she was a senior and stayed home because of an ear infection and had come back to the school when it when the explosion went off of course everybody went to the school to see what had happened and when she arrived as she was arriving because when the bomb went off at the keyhole family farm um they all you know wondered what on earth had happened and Bath isn't very far from, I don't know, exactly know the mileage from Lansing and East Lansing, but the bomb explosion could be heard all the way in Lansing, Michigan and felt. And so they arrived to the school and said that the school had rose up two foot high off the ground and then landed right back down. And, um, it had one of the the teachers were right in that section and um she was looking at a boy with his eyes wide open and um he was pronounced dead but um she said that it was the worst thing that she had ever seen and um parents that had arrived to the school after this massive bombing had to um, try to find their children and they found them by their shoes, by the makes of their shoes and um, parts, clothing, whatever. But um, it was a very tragic uh, process. And um, at five or six o'clock in the evening, that night was the last the last child was pulled from the school building, but um, for somebody to commit that kind of a crime, it's pretty tragic. What was his reasoning for doing it? 
Did they ever find out? And his reasoning was because um, the school was a consolidated school. It had started out in Bath, Michigan, that they had many different schools and every school taught a different grade or every section of Bath. And so they had consolidated one school, which was this school to be um, ten, it, in 19th. It was first through 12th grade. Well, no, it was um, one through 10th the first, and then it consolidated from um, uh, first through 12th um, years to come. But uh, in um, once it, the school had consolidated, the taxes had increased and Kehoe with his, he was on the board of education. Actually, he was on the, he was, he was a, a treasurer of the school board. Yes, he was a treasurer of the school board and um, he got nominated off of it. And he was upset with all of the the taxes and, and all of the um, expenses after they consolidated the schools. And his, his wife, he had come from um, a very, he, he, he was a very educated man. He came from, um, oh, um, I'm trying to think of his hometown. Um, it'll come to me. But um, he was educated and he graduated from Michigan State. Um, I have it in my paperwork. Um, um, Tecumseh, that's what it was. He he was raised in Tecumseh, Michigan, and he had graduated from Michigan State as with an engineer and electric electrician trade. Um, and and after he um after he um graduated from college, he spent a lot of time in St. Louis, Missouri, working as an electrician until. 1911, he had a serious accident where he had fallen and um, had uh, closed head injuries, which caused him to move back here to Michigan, um, in Tecumseh, Michigan, um, uh, with his father. He had to move back in with his father. Well, after he'd healed and, you know, we don't know how, how or, you know, they say that he was a... Um, very mean, um, unempathy, violent, um, no sympathy person. And he kind of wondered, did all of this come from that fall or was he, you know, like this before he planned this huge bombing? Um, it so you just, don't know if he was really mean before the fall or? Right. Okay. Right. Right. Then they didn't know a whole lot about head injuries. So. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So but there knew. were there were reports before the bombing, though, too, that he had like abused animals or like killed his horses. But was um, that before the accident? Because the this, accident this is was, when he got the injury. He, that was after that. the accident. Okay. Yes, he did. The, no, he in his home when his home exploded, he had planted bombs. Three two days prior to 
this bombing of the school. He had planted, he had planted all the bombs working. They had hired him because he did so many, so much work at the school. He had planted these bombs over a year before this explosion. He had been putting them throughout the school. And, um, you know, was he like this beforehand, before this thing? But he had married um, his wife. He, he met his wife in um, Tecumseh, Michigan. And her name was Nellie Price, which is a well-known name around this area. Um, and he moved to Bath, Michigan later and um a couple years later after that and um and bought this farm for like twelve thousand dollars he had bought in a farm the the farmhouse that he owned and um and he lived there for years and then um you know worked as a superintendent or worked in the in the school as the treasurer and on the board and then um when he got voted off his wife had um been suffering from um from tuberculosis tuberculosis and he had brought her home two days prior to blowing his home up and so he had killed her two days before this massive bombing and um, put her in a wheelbarrow in the chicken coop. And then he bombed his house and he tied up all of his animals so they couldn't get loose and then blew up the bomb and blew up the, the um, all the farming uh, buildings. And when they got done with, when the bombings and everything went off, it took two, three days to find Nellie's body in the chicken coop. But um, he, they said that he had went back to the school and parked his car in front of the school before it blew up. So he you know, blew up his home and then he went back to the school and blew up the school. They He had planted tons and tons of dynamite and there were five, there was 500 pounds of dynamite in the south wing of that school. And if it would have went off. In the north wing. No, no, the north wing blew up. The oh north yeah okay wing, yeah the yeah. north wing was the yeah. school that blew up and that's what killed the yeah. um the 36 the south, children yeah. or 39 the children, but um then it killed six it killed 39 children and six adults including him and his wife so the, it killed what? four four adults plus them plus but only half of the school got blown up because the other right part of the school it, it didn't go off Activated. right the south out. wing had they had found 500 pounds of dynamite in the south wing that had not designated or that, that did not charge detonate detonate designate All right um <laughs> right don't say it that um, so <laughs> right it didn't go off 
So um, if that would have went off, the 300 children that were, and teachers that were in the school, it would have destroyed the whole community of children. Right. And, it, right. and that's why I always thought it killed like all the children, but it really only. It killed like the fourth, fifth grade classes. Right. For the majority of it. But back in like 1927, I think like back, like the adults, there was only like 350 ish. Like there wasn't, it's a small. It was community. a very like, small community. There was only like 350 adults in the in the town. So basically every family was affected by this. Right, right. Right, right. And, and the, the um, oldest, the, the oldest remaining, the senior that was um, stayed home, she is 113 years old. And wow. on May 18th of this year, it will, um, it will be the anniversary, that would be the 95th anniversary. 95th, of, yeah. um, so, um, but she's still alive. Yes. Yes. Ah. Well, as of last year, she was, she was, <laughs> well. was um, she was interviewed and she was 113 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So, um, but, uh, he had been planning this attack for over a year. So he had been putting all these bombs into the school over a year's time. And when his wife, um, when they consolidated the schools and they raised the taxes, he was very bitter and angry because he didn't want the taxes to go up. And a year prior to the school bombing, he had gotten foreclosure notices for his farm and um, they, uh, they uh, think that wasn't, he, wasn't he, he lost the election for like the city clerk or the town clerk too, didn't he? Yes. He, for the town like treasurer, the town that he was for the um, treasures. And uh, but, he had a job, like a maintenance job at the school too. I mean, there was the a town that's what I thought too, but um, I think it like I think he was only on the school board. Yeah, he was only on the school board. He worked as an electrician and um, and a handyman at the school, so he was always helping all the farmers. Okay, and so yeah, he was a maintenance guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, he was just yeah. a maintenance guy, and he did their electrical work, and he helped all the farmers. You know, he helped. You know the community. If they needed a handyman, that's what he did. He helped. But these them. the the bombs though too. He had set them up at his home and in both wings of the school. To right. Detonate at the at the like around the same time. He had set them up with like alarm clocks so that well, they would go off. Well, he he set the home up, his home off first, and then he was try he waited for the school. He, wa he wanted all the kids to be at the school. At so the school, he set right. that alarm off. He had that alarm set for the school bombing at 8.45 in the morning. So, you know. Um, I might be wrong about this. Maybe like uh, like an urban legend. Um, but didn't he, it was like he put nails in the bombs too? To, uh, I think in his truck. 
Okay. I think I that, like, he filled his truck with, like, a bunch of shrapnel. Shrapnel. So that yeah. when he so that's what I remember. Truck, it would, yeah. Yeah, and that's what, that's what, 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 when the, when he, when he killed took the his rifle out of the front seat, he shot that, yeah. he had a big thing of dynamite in the back of his truck with all the mm. shrapnel, and he shot that dynamite and, and everything went flying, and that's what killed everybody, because anybody that was standing Same around, time. and um, okay. it was said that the superintendent had his foot on the running board of his truck when he blew it up. Oh, wow. He called, he called the superintendent over to his truck to kill him. Jeez. So it was intentional Jeez. for him and, to... And I, see, and I thought, too, that I... Um, when he was at his house when his house blew up or like it was on fire and people were trying to put out the fire and saving the farm animals and all that kind of stuff and he said you better not waste your time you might as well go out to the school and so he that's what I heard is that he like basically told everybody go to the school in hopes that he would kill more people because they'd be up at the school trying wow. to help out over there well you know in some of the I I it kind of confused me because there's so many different interviews and so many different stories. Like some were saying that a, a different amount of kids were killed than they were saying, mm -hmm. you know, everybody had a different answer. And um, in one of the clips that I was listening to, it said that he said that, hey, you guys are my friends. Get away from here. Go, go, oh. go away. You know, you're my friends. So he didn't want to kill his friends, but gotcha. anybody that went against him, he was yeah. after them. He, you know, he yeah. was, he was. So he was obviously not mentally stable and his wife was dying. He his, was going to be foreclosed on. So he was just giving up on life and taking as many victims as he could. Right. His, wife, his wife's illness took up a lot of their money. Yes. You know, he, right. Yeah. And then with the taxes going up, that's what I think put him over. He couldn't afford the extra taxes because of the school. And, and then I think that with his wife being sick, I think it took a toll on his brain. I mean, well, and they yeah, did, like, I'm sure. they didn't know a lot about head injuries back then, but right. No, right. you know, and, and, and you kind of wonder, I mean, it's no excuse for any, horrific crime that he did, but um, you wonder if if he was always insane or his head injury had right. caused, you know, this much. But it sounds like there was like a bunch of red flags leading up to the bombing where that would have been caught in today's society. Hey, you today's, know, like, right. Today's where, world people caught all those things, yeah. Right. Do they? Right. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking what, you know, he but. He did it so sneakily, you know, I mean, how do we know that somebody didn't do that to anywhere else? I well, mean, one, I think that if somebody was like, you know, hopefully if somebody was planting dynamite or any kind of bombs in schools for over a year that the staff and, you know, maintenance people would find it and figure it out before it was too late, but. Well, I mean, look right. at. Um, or if he had anger issues like that to, in today's world, they would never let him just be running around the school. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. you know. I mean, right. the shooting that just happened in a Michigan school, 
that kid had been right. constantly right. told that his parents had, I mean, obviously his parents were, you know, we. n- not effective and that's not, you know, they were the part of the problem, but these teachers had yes. noticed this behavior for a long time. Like right. he had constantly mm-hmm. been doing it's like erratic this. behavior. Right. And, right. and for him to be able to plant that much dynamite and, and because of the wars and all of this stuff and, and that error, it was so easy to get the dynamite, but right, right. He didn't work as he didn't work as somebody in the school. So why didn't these maintenance men find all of this dynamite in the basement of the school? Well, they probably didn't have a maintenance person back then. He was like the he maintenance, the maintenance person. person. Yeah, well, he was right. the electrician. I guess you know because, that's what, like, because they trust they trusted him and they you know. Right. If if they needed something done, they called him. That's right. that's, I guess that's how he got away with it. Because there was but. only like really, I mean, it seems it seems kind of big, but there was like, what did you say, like three hundred kids in the school total? Yeah, from from first grade to through tenth grade. grade or I mean, to, grade. To, uh, yeah. until ten or twelfth grade. Yeah. Yes, correct. Through senior year, right? So, I mean, there was, you know, in some of the surrounding areas like that. That's a pretty big school or like a normal school district but that's a a fairly small school district too right but but i mean also going back to his their the rest of them i'm sure affected their lives right right but um going back to you know him hiding these bombs for a year why didn't anybody notice i mean it's not gonna be it's not like he's gonna stick a tnt dynamite you know candle in the open. in the in the open i'm sure he <laughs> hid them I mean, like he planted them in the floorboards or up in the yeah i'm sure it wasn't just area. yeah i'm sure right. it wasn't just you know yeah. oh what's that over there red right. stick that's right. weird but they yeah. all smoked back then that's a weird right. looking cigarette right well the thing though too is i mean it's kind of amazing in the fact that he had been planning it for over a year for, for about a year and dynamite is very um delicate you know like if it gets wet or you know like it, it's kind of amazing that nothing went off prior to this yeah right so, well i wonder if that's why yeah. only half of it went off like maybe that the half right. that went that right. didn't go off was put first and then it had probably deteriorated and wasn't that, like usable so when time came that's why it didn't go off and I'm sure if you if, if if you really wanted to get into it, I'm sure that there are police records saying why that didn't designate or uh, ignite. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it, I didn't come across any of that. Well, there there is a museum too in in Bath. Yes, and there means. is in the museum. See, and did you the go? School, once once the school no. was. Um, destroyed they it took two years um to rebuild it re they rebuilt it in 1928 and um the plans for the new school was donated by um, a man called um warren holmes and he was a, a lansing architect and then seventy five thousand dollars was donated by james coez uh cousins he was the United States Senator. Did you guys mm. know that? 
and and the school was named after him but um and then they added uh extra curriculum to the school and uh mm -hmm. because of I, I i don't get but because of what the purpose of that school was it just didn't do they they um I, they tore it down they, i was gonna ask if it's like still the bath they, school no, they, no. Literally, they literally destroyed the whole school and made it a park so you can go you can go to the park and there's a cupola that was on the original yeah. school building and that sits right. right in the middle of the park and there's plaques with all of the children's name on it and people that everybody that had passed, everybody that passed away entering the into this park. but they did rebuild yeah. the school where it was at no right Yes, right, 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 right. Yeah, I yes. got that. I, got I that. think it just—it was one of those. No, in 1975, just, they just in 19 yeah. they built it in 1928, and that mm -hmm. and it was there. And um, in 1975, they demolished the whole school and made it a park. But a park. In and then, um, then they put a school, a new school, um, right across the street from the park. And the school is what has the museum in it. One section of the school has a museum in the new school, but there is a memorial park across the street. Across the street, the yeah. So, yeah. The, the, I didn't and, realize the museum was in the, the school. It's in the high school now. Yeah, no, it, there's a small, it's a small museum inside, um, inside the school across from the park. So I said one day I'd like to go over there and and see it. Yeah, know, be yeah, interesting. Yeah. And then I've always been, you know, going into Lansing. If you take the back roads, there's a huge cemetery. And in these pictures, when I was going through and getting all my information, mm -hmm. there's a huge cemetery. And you pass the cemetery out on Upton Road, and I always mm -hmm. wondered, is that at the cemetery where all these children were buried, or is where is the cemetery where everybody's buried? But Nellie Reed, or I mean Nellie Price, um, when she when they it took them two days to find her body, and um, do it, they um her family came and got her, and buried her in a um, cemetery. Uh, on a cemetery plot and put her um gave her back her maiden name so she was buried in a cemetery plot um somewhere probably in bath um it didn't say where but, but right in the by the community but her it has her maiden name her family wanted her maiden name instead of keyhole so she's yeah. buried as Nellie price in the cemetery mm -hmm. and then for andrew kehoe um when the um when the bombing went off they used um the town hall as a morgue for all of mm -hmm. the people to come and um find everybody's bodies and um when the uh miss when mrs smith which was um the uh farmer or i mean not the farmer but the postmaster 
um, they found um, his his wife was the one who found Kehoe's um, torso, and it had his billfold with um, a bank statement from Tecumseh, Michigan, and it had his driver's mm -hmm. license, and that's the only way they found um, Kehoe's. His body had been blown up, and um, wow. they what parts were left um he sat in the um morgue or in somewhere for weeks before his family members came in and claimed him and um then they buried him in a unmarked grave in uh, another town so he's not even buried any so he's either buried in you know he could be buried in lansing he could be buried in the closest town would be probably um, Langsburg, just the outskirts of Langsburg. Hmm. So he's in a cemetery somewhere in an unmarked grave. Hmm. So. Didn't one of like the final, like one of the final victims, the kids in like 2014, am I remembering that correct, correctly? They had an unmarked grave until 2014 and then community members donated money to get a uh, gravestone but on the child's unmarked grave? I don't know because I, I didn't hear anything like that. Mm -hmm. I, I I just had the um, Irene Dunham was the the um, the longest living survivor. Yeah. And she lived to, she's was 113 last year. So, mm -hmm. and her son was the one who gave the interview, but they were asking her questions questions and she was very emotionally distraught right, right. Because, um, she was explaining what she had seen and she said that her and her mother were there and she you know the building rose foot off the ground and you know body parts and everything were all over and another thing that you know I always wonder like when we first moved to Ovid and we were taking the back roads over to into Lansing um, as you were passing Clark Road and um, Upton Road, um, that that whole um, telephone wires or whatever those wires alongside the road were always always had shoes hanging from them. So I don't know if it was a memorial that somebody would you know family members would always throw their shoes up on them wires, but don't you remember as kids? going past that and there were always shoes no. on, on the wires. Yeah, I remember that. No, I don't, I don't remember that. I don't remember it, but it, but it is a common thing to do as a vigil for people who have died. Yeah, it, yeah. it's kind of crazy, so. But, um, Especially and then, since they were um, identified on, by their shoes, it makes sense. Right, right, yeah. right, right. And then um, on May 19th, um, the day after the bombing, um, when they were out at his farm trying to get everything, they, they, they found all of his horses tied up. That He had taken um, wire and tied up all of the horse's feet and um, any animals that he had, they were, they were tied into the barn so they couldn't get loose. But um, they had found a wooden sign out on the um, outskirt, right on his property line that said um, in a wood, it was uh, 
a saying that says criminal criminals are made, not born. So, you know, mm. that was his. He said that know. like he, he, he had, he'd made a sign. He had burned a sign in the in wood, wood that said criminals are made, not born. Oh, in other words, you guys, did you this. guys did this. I mean, yes. Yeah. Well. He blamed everybody but himself right. for this mm-hmm. horrific yeah. crime that he had done. So, and you then you, you said this was still ranked like the worst school massacre. It is it, it, to, to today's date. It still is the worst mass school bombing. And, um, well, just the school, school massacre. Domestic, massacre. Domestic, domestic violence. Violence. Yes. Yes. Like yeah. what I was saying before, um, whatever, when we were talking about this was in Oklahoma. Right. That was, that was at the Columbine school. That was the biggest. No, that's no. terrorist was back in 1928. Yes. You know, right. Right. Yeah. yeah. When that's... I remember in with the, the Sandy Hook elementary school shooting, that just happened, or not just happened, but in more recent years, with that one, I remember the Bath Massacre being mentioned in news right. stories from yeah. that because it was the most comparable thing. Yeah, really? I don't. Like, I feel like it was, like and it was not it, about because it, it had a daycare and everything else in it. I mean, they. Well, that was the Oklahoma City bombing. Mm-hmm. I, I remember back in that Oklahoma. Now, what year would that have been? Oklahoma City or something like that. That was I was gonna say ninety two or ninety three. No, I remember 90. then then they were playing like on twenty twenty and stuff like that. They were mm-hmm. talking about bath school because right. that had been the biggest domestic terrorism right. occurring. I feel like I don't hear this one talked about at all. Like well, uh, yeah, I don't know. It comes but I think domestic well, terrorism. Right, and I think a lot of it, like I remember it was Sandy Hook because Sandy Hook was, you, you know, how many, there was like 20 something elementary school kids that kids, were right. shot and killed. And so this is comparable because, I mean, obviously it wasn't a, just an elementary school, but most of the kids that died in Bath were, you know, fourth, fifth graders. They yeah, were, young, you know, young. eight to 10 years old. So they were young, young kids. Right. So, and then I think with Oklahoma City, they had a daycare in the in the um, was it in the basement of the building or right? They had a daycare like with young kids in the building. Here, yeah. You know, yeah. So I think that's why it gets brought up with those because it's younger, the younger young kids, kids, yeah, that are dying, or it was the mass majority or the majority of the those that have passed were kids. Yeah. Right. So it's still very sad. Yeah. And I do feel like it was something that was brought up with the Oxford shooting as well, but I think that was just because of the Michigan base. Right, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Well, the two guys that did the, um, oops, sorry, the two guys that did the um, Oklahoma bombing were from Michigan. Right, right. Um, I hate to say, I feel like a lot of. Uh, serial killers yeah. are from Michigan. Michigan they, they have some kind of Michigan tie to them. I yeah. know. Or they graduated there from was, the University of Michigan. Yes, yeah. Um, there was someone just recently mm-hmm. who I never knew lived in Michigan um, before they like moved out west and started like a murder spree or something like that. So it is odd that there's 
so many people from Michigan who go crazy. Michigan, Michigan's a good place to live. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. drives you a little crazy. A little angry. Maybe. I think it's the weather. You have 60, 70 <laughs> degree weather one day and a negative 20 the next. No, I don't think it's that. I think, uh, you know, I, I mean, it could be. Michigan's a beautiful state. There, you know, it's, it, it's, you know, it's kind of crazy to say, but, you know, that radon, you know, we are in that section where. Glaciers we, have caused a lot of radon. We have a lot of radon issues because of the glaciers. That the so. glaciers. Yeah. Well, and then we were buried in water years and years ago. And when the water went away, all of this land and people have built their houses you know, you got up, you got hills and up and down, and they say that that's, you know, where the radon collects. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know too much about that, but you know, um, Michigan is a, a could lot be of it could be that that does something to your mental health. It's a peninsula. It's surrounded by water. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Crazy. Both the upper and lower mm -hmm. are peninsulas. Peninsulas, wow. pulling a mom right there. I know. Yes. Can't pronounce my words. <laughs> You've been hanging with me too long. Uh -huh. Been hanging with me too long. But um, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 sad. If if there there's a guy that is um that had been working on a um documentary, so I don't know if it's out yet. His name was um, Matt, Matthew Martin, and he was working on a um, documentary of the bath for 16 years. So wow. I don't know if he's got in a um, in a show. So you can look up his name and see if he if if we didn't answer any questions or if you're. Um, if I you did see anything. Too. More, he might have more in his documentary because I didn't get into his. I was just watching or getting most of my information um, from like newscasts, um, Fox News. Most of it was from newscast people or, you know, and then people that the newscast had. You know, I'm not going to say it, right? <laughs> no, I know. I know. I. After I said that, I, I thought, oh, boy. Um, but no. Fake. Yeah. yeah. No, not fake. It's not fake. But um, not, that's, not that's Fox who, News, but a Fox affiliate news. A lot of the story. Yeah, this, that's who covered the story. Maybe because they're out of Lansing. I don't know. It was a local station. Local station. It's yes. a local Fox station. <laughs> right. Right. So that's what I'm saying. I was just about to say, you guys were talking about uh, water being polluted, and I thought you were gonna pull an Alex Jones. Oh, <laughs> tired of the fogs, gay. But I did see too. Amazon had, or well, I saw it on Amazon that um, a book called Maniac that is about the bath master. Really, I can't remember who, who the author is, but he is a true crime author. So he oh. does a lot of books about, you know, obviously crimes oh. so, um but and i i can't remember his name and i don't have a computer next to me to be able to look it up right so hmm. that's interesting but i did see that you can get maniac for free if you have 
Audible's Unlimited, which I do. But then you can also get the book, paperback or hardcover as well. Hmm. So if anybody is interested in, there's a couple different sources for you to get more information. Right. Is it? Like I said, look up at Matt Martin and um, and see if you can get into his documentary or something. I see uh, Maniac by Harold Shelter. Yes. Yeah, that's okay. what it is. Yep. Hmm. Interesting. But any questions or anything? Well, you did a good job covering all the. Yeah, details. that was a really good job. Yeah, it's a very sad event. But, yeah, uh, it was very sad, and it was very emotional to think yeah. that somebody and that somebody could just wipe out a whole generation of kids. Uh, you know to. that and then to to be that evil to attack children mm-hmm. that are so innocent that had nothing to do right. with this right. um right. but he in his right mind thought that it was that he was targeting their most precious precious possession and he got right. because that you yeah. know there is nothing more than a child's you know if, if well, anybody was, has children, you know that they are your total life. You know right. what I mean? It, people without children, you know, they they may understand, they may not, but when you have a child, it, you and know. I, I want to say, too, I read somewhere, too, that I think it was the Hart family, if I'm remembering correctly. The Hart family, H-A-R-T. Uh-huh. They lost all their kids in this bombing, mm-hmm. and there were, like, three or four of their kids. I did. Yes, I did. I did see that one family had lost all of their children in in that. Yes. I mean, and some people lost their whole family and and a lot of the people probably Mm -hmm. that had lost family, um, they moved away. I I did see I did read about that, that some a lot of the people moved away and um, or moved to different areas. I mean, they didn't move out of the state of Michigan. They just moved out of this that area and 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 went on with their life but um they um the they still had lots of family friends that are still in that area that yeah right. that had well, friends right. that like went said, that everybody in that town because everybody knows somebody there right right, right. it's just like right. the city you know all small, all small communities us, our little small community was all affected when prudence died you know <laughs> yes yes yeah especially since you know the high school and middle school are just like that where it's a combined two buildings it's all, yeah. to make one yeah. big yeah. school so and, it really you know is. i have to i think that bath was probably just like our little small community that um when there's something going on in our community we as a community are one and we right. work as right. one if somebody gets sick we, we are there we are we're there for everything and um we support and we work as a team so yeah right. it, it'd be right. it would be devastating for something like that to happen and for all of the people that had 
to go through that. And then, then of course, when the bombing went off and they all went up to the school to have to live with that kind of tragedy right. for the rest of their lives, they, they, it would be like going to war, you know? Right. I'm sure. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there are many people dealt with PTSD. Yes, I, yeah. I was just going to say that they they probably have their whole the, for the rest of their life have probably dealt with that and afraid to go to right. sleep or you know had right. trauma. And people back then too, PTSD. Nobody knew no, what exactly. it was. Right. You know, and they didn't have a way to you know help those. You know, it, most people go through therapy to help with PTSD. So yeah, they didn't have any of that. Right, right. So it's definitely a sad, sad situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. because in May will be the 95th anniversary, right. there will probably likely be, at least locally, will probably yeah. be some kind of news articles mm-hmm. that are written about it. Right. Um, and I but, don't know if Irene, you know, and mm-hmm. if that Irene Dunham has um, passed on. But right. as of last year, when they interviewed her, she was still there. But I don't exactly know. I mean, I didn't yeah. find out if I, I didn't look up to see if there was an obituary for her. But I'm right. sure that we'll find out in, in May when and if she had passed away. What's her name? Irene Dunham? It's uh, Irene Dunham. Oh, Dunham, because I was like, Irene Dunham is... No, D-U-N-H-A-M. She turns... Dunham. And she, uh, she's from East... Um, she's from Lansing. Um, It's... The last article I see is she turned 114 on December 21st. So, as far as oh, I wow. know, she's still... Oh, 2021? 2021, yeah. She will be... Oh, she wow. may make it to the 95th anniversary of uh, this. Yeah. Which I don't know if she'd be happy about, but <laughs> it's going to be, especially if you're the last survivor or yeah. like the last yeah. hit yeah. of that. That's got to be kind of a devastation. Um, I don't know. And, and all kinds of aspects of that. Be and, the last you know, one she, and... it, it says that she is the last survivor, but you know, Maybe some of these families that have moved on and away from the area and kind of just dismiss that out of their lives. Right. There could be younger children that they've. Oh, they, I'm sure these people doing the documentaries are tracking the people. That right. Are. Trying to find out. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm sure it's not as easy as, you know, you'd think. Right. Well, and then, so 114, though. She's the oldest person in Michigan. Yeah. She's officially the say, officially how, the oldest, how old is person, the oldest in person in the world. Uh, one hundred and eighteen. So she's only like one hundred and eighteen. And where's that person from? Uh, We're a little off topic on that one, but yeah. Well, I know, but it's still interesting because that's pretty. That's a magnificent life. One hundred and fourteen years old. Um, well, I think she she's might from to differ a little bit on that. Fukuoka, Japan. I don't know if I said that right. Fukuoka, Japan. Fukuoka. I don't think I'm saying that right. Oh, you know what I do? I think I did see that on Good Morning America or something. And maybe it was with. Oh, 119, actually. 119. When you say that, um, maybe Good Morning America or one of the morning talk shows had said, you know, they had him and or her. Yeah, it was a. It's a guy, isn't it? I don't know. And, and then that Irene, 
It had the oldest. It people. looks like a so woman. So she's at least, you know, like, kind of in one of the oldest categories, at least. Oh, yeah. Well, I right. mean, like I, I said, in Michigan. Top 10 or not, but. In Michigan, she's yeah. officially the oldest person. person. What? Well. Well. Interesting. Well, I hope I answered um, Sarah's questions or. Yeah. Yes. Sarah would just wanted us to discuss it. So I hopefully Sarah is listening. happy for this to be. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully she's listening. And um it's uh anybody else it was, it was a big enough explosion that it was heard from Lansing. That's that's pretty bad. Mm -hmm. And I think Lansing and Bath are like well, East Lansing and Bath kind of butt up to each other. They're neighbor like cities because where Matt and I got married, it kind of bordered East Lansing yeah. and Bath. Yeah, um, I right. But, but I still think it would be also, like a 15 minute, well, like, well, five, 10 minute drive. Right. And they're, you I'm know, thinking, right. with that it's farm, like a, they're saying that his farm um, is that uh, it had damaged his whole property, that you would not even know that um, that's where the house was, that it, uh, that um, a neighboring farmer bought his property. Mm -hmm. and um, farms it out, and uh, you wouldn't even be able to tell that it was uh, his homeland, his home property. Wow. So wow. I don't know where, I don't even know where his property was. Hmm. That I'm was, sure they don't have it marked either. They don't want yeah, to have that's it what I'm saying. Right right. But it yeah. was only, a, it was outside of the town where the school was, so, you know, it, it Right. It was only a couple miles from the school. So, it's yeah. in the vicinity of that area. But, and you yeah. know, the names that were, the names that were, the people that were named, it's, um, it, it, it's mind boggling because of some of the people that here in our community, um, are they related? Related, right? Yeah. Are they related? Right. Was it was in our our librarian? Her name was Hike. You know, was it his father's or her husband's father, grandfather? Right. Um, you know, and then Price is a very well known name here in the area. Yeah. So, were was she related to any of the Prices? Because they say that. The, she came from a very wealthy family, so. Price is kind of a common name in, in any town, probably. I don't know. Yeah. So, it was very interesting looking up, and but very sad. Yeah, right. But the, the bombing, oh, I, I wanted to get this clear. The bombing was not what killed his wife. He killed his wife by... Um, hitting her with a blunt object in the back of her head. Oh, so he just, yeah. Okay. He killed his wife a, a, the day prior to um, ex, to exploding and like 200 uh, pounds of dynamite was was what went off in the north wing or more than 200 pounds. Yeah. But there was 500 pounds found in the south wing that had... The south side? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But um, he had he had killed his wife, and she had just he had just picked her up from the hospital, um, and brought her home. 
and then he killed her and then um and then put her in the chicken coop and put the bombs around his home two days prior to the bombing of the school so on the 16th, they say the 16th to the 16th through the 16th and the 18th is when um, he had killed her and and then put the bombs off. And she, her body, her body was so unrecognizable that you couldn't even recognize her body. So how did they know she had a head injury? Well, probably because of um, hmm. an autopsy. Probably a fractured skull. Yeah. Yeah, but she's obviously retaining, like, multiple injuries during the bombing if she's so unrecognizable. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. She was in a wheelbarrow. That's that's how she was found, in a wheelbarrow. So I don't know if she was... They just said that her body was mm -hmm. unrecognizable. Mm -hmm. But... Happy okay, Wednesday. Okay, guys. I think it's that time. Um, All right. Yeah. Good show. Thank you, Denise. That was a good job. Yay. Very yeah. Again, it was good spending time with my family. Yeah, yeah. And again, everybody, please like, subscribe. Comment if you want us to do another yeah. topic. Right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and if, yeah. if you want to know anything, like. yeah. please you can follow us on Instagram. Yep. At yeah. gmail.com. I'm sorry. I'm not going to get that ever right. The school of thought at gmail.com. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys. Thanks, Thanks for being part of our family. Come again. Bye.